0: It's your girl, Shakari Maybone, Jada
1: Vassar,
2: and Anthony Brinson, and this is All Shades of Chocolate, where we bring
1: the sweetest, the hottest, black Black culture culture to MSU.
2: MSU. Just like we were saying off camera a little while ago, we have a very special guest with us here today. We're going to let her introduce herself, and we'll go from there.
3: Hello, hello, everyone. First of all, I love the intro alone. Let me just say that. My name is Dr. Christina Myers. I'm assistant professor in the journalism department, and I just started here at Michigan State University in August, and I'm just so happy to be here with you all lovely people.
2: We're definitely <laughs> happy to have you here as well. i very grateful for you to be a part of our show and real quick, Jada, just like I was saying off uh, camera again, want to give you props for allowing me to have this opportunity to interview Dr. Myers and just having it be known that there's a black woman who's a doctor here at MSU because it's not a lot of us here, whether it's students or doctors who just so happen to be black women. So really appreciate you for that.
1: Oh, yes, of course. I interviewed Dr. Let me emphasize again, Dr. (laughs) Myers a few times for my first story that I wrote for the state news and then uh, stories I've written in Journey 200. So I knew she would be a great guest on here. And I love speaking with you every interview. We spoke for like over 30 minutes and it was just nonstop conversation. And she gives Really, really good advice. So I'm very happy that we get to share your advice with everybody listening.
3: Oh, well, I'm equally honored and humbled and truly blessed to be here. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, let me get the tissues.
2: (laughs) Y'all so kind. So just to begin our interview, if someone were to ask, who is Dr. Myers, how would you answer?
1: Oh, that's a good question. That's a, really what a good question. Oh, it hit me with a great <laughs> one to start oh, Come on, brother. Okay. I that. Oh,
3: Christina Myers, I am a woman of God. My faith is very important to me. That is foundational first and foremost. I am a daughter of two amazing parents who told me, "Go be great." Right, just Great go out there amen. and pursue your dreams. I'm also the little sister, two older brothers who hold it down and are some of my biggest supporters. So the essence of who I am involves my faith, my family, and um, I'm a giver. I'm a nurturer. I truly believe we're blessed to be a blessing. So just being in this space and being able to talk to you all, this is the essence of my purpose and what I strive to do in all intersections of my life, whether professionally or personally. So. The essence of who I am, I am, is not the journalist, it's not the professor, it's not the researcher, it's just, I'm just Christina, who's just grateful and honored to be able to do what I love every day.
2: And that's amazing to hear. You put an emphasis on God and your family. You said faith and family. I feel like I could be a book title. But-
1: oh, we speak in yeah. it. <laughs>
2: what would be the impact of that support? What did that support mean to you on your journey to becoming a journalist and then becoming a professor and then a doctor? Oh,
3: man, great questions. I, it's nothing like having the love to support the village, right? You need to have people around you who support what you do. You know, I, I believe everyone with you is not for you. Mm. And so when you have individuals in your life who can speak life to you, who are your encouragers, your biggest motivators, that is essential on this journey, especially we're talking about being black journalists in the field, in a profession where oftentimes we are in spaces where we are the only ones, if not one, a few. Mm-hmm. Right. Um and then my faith, right? If if there's no one else around, you know, I moved here to Michigan getting this wonderful job at MSU. I'm from South Carolina. And so you're in a space where you don't know anyone, you're kind of, you're starting over, meeting, trying to build your own community. And if I don't have anyone else or anything else, I have my faith. Mm-hmm. And so um, referring to the scriptures and devotionals and having my gratitude journal, those are all things that are foundational to who I am and definitely um, elements to help me work on my self-care, mm-hmm. right? Really focusing on my purpose in this space and being very intentional with every action, every move that I do. So that's why it's so important to me. It's the essence of who I am. And it's not about the titles, even though I'm so so grateful nobody but God that I have had the great privilege to be on this educational journey to um, to get a doctorate degree I don't take that very lightly and so in this space in this place I just think about okay in this moment what can I do to continue to be a blessing to others what can I do to share what I know to help bring others along with me
2: great and you mentioned that you're not from Michigan can you give us a little bit more details about the journey you made with coming to Michigan and, like you said, not knowing anyone
3: and, yeah. Absolutely, yes, yeah. so I call South Carolina home, even though my Army brat, born in Germany, lived a few places, but South Carolina is really where I grew up and was raised. I attended the University of South Carolina, go Gamecocks, though we're Spartans now, I understand <laughs> that. I had to slide that in. Next slide that in. Um, <laughs> uh, three-time Gamecock, that was not the intention, right? I went undergrad biology and chemistry, going okay. the medical school route, mm-hmm. worked in the health field for a few years, and then, you know, we talk about purpose, and when I was really evaluating then I'm like, oh, is this really what I want to do? It didn't feel like I was going that direction anymore after, you know, getting into medical school and things of that nature. And I found communications and I knew, like, this is what i was supposed to do. Um, I always say, I always thought I was supposed to make a profound impact on other people's lives through medicine, but I've been able to make more of an impact through the gift of writing. Wow. And so uh, continue on in University of South Carolina, getting my master's, um, had some amazing first journalism job. Right. First journalism class was during my master's and then immediately afterwards, my first journalism job when I graduated. And so that kept me in South Carolina working for NBC News, Associated Press and working for the state newspaper. And then going to get my Ph.D. Uh, I'm kind of jumbling into a lot of things, but this is my journey here. Uh, my research looks at depictions of the black experience in mass media. So I look at the intersections of music because I love music, <laughs> right, sports because I love sports. And then of course, journalism, and the news. And I'm very deeply interested and invested in understanding why certain stereotypes, depictions of our experiences, racist ideologies arise in the content we create. And so that's what I studied and my research was at University of South Carolina and that's, I earned my PhD in mass communications and I'm so grateful because there's wonderful people at the journalism department at MSU that heard about me and um, I interviewed and gosh, was it a year? In February when I was made offer here at msu last year so um yeah it's just so wonderful and incredible just to sit back and see the journey that god put me on just trusting and believing and having faith that his will is much more important than anything i could desire for my life and Mm -hmm. it was just meant for me to be here it's meant for me to be here meant for me to be in this space with you all and i'm just looking forward to seeing what more that i can contribute to this community
2: and I'm also definitely looking forward to it as well, because as a student here, like I mentioned, it's not a lot of black professors that you can be taught by. Just in my second year, my second semester, I've only been taught by one. So just to have the experience and look across to someone who shares my experiences and knows how to teach me is really appreciative. And I want to ask, what is what has been your proudest moment so far as a journalist and as a doctor and being able to teach young kids and really improve everyone's life around you? Oh, wow.
3: Just come on now. (laughs) You do what you're supposed to do in this moment. Okay? Do the thing. Um, You spoke to it. Um, My very first black professor was my first semester of my Ph.D.
2: Hmm.
3: Of my Ph.D. Of your Ph.D.? Of my Ph.D. Mm -hmm. And... I just recall I was trying to you know I want to get a PhD to go into consulting work because I'm like it's so important that I can take this research and bring it into the newsroom to help train individuals on why it matters to have less in the space mm-hmm. but it wasn't until I was in that classroom and I looked at my black male professor who was a doctor and I said man it hit me in that moment I could make such an impact just by my presence alone and so I would say one of my proudest moments has certainly been in the classroom, hearing from students like you all. One student came up to me after class, looked me in the face and said, I don't know how much, I can't tell you how much it means to me to see you standing in front of me. Wow. Thank you. So I could easily say my proudest moment is earning this PhD. Yes, that, but it's more so knowing already the impact that my presence alone is making.
2: Definitely understandable. And I wanna ask what, was your original inspiration for when you first pursued the thing you were pursuing at first and then switching over to journalism, what inspired you to take that path? Because I've always heard that switching your majors and switching your direction, that could be one of the most difficult things and a setback in your college journey. So just what kept you going and what inspired you to pursue the thing that ultimately made you comfortable and what you do now?
3: Awesome questions. I pursued medicine because I was just always... I love anatomy, physiology, and I was like, oh, the impact of being able to physically touch lives and change lives through medicine, that gift, right? And um, I was just so enthralled and invested in it since like, I was in middle school and doing camps and programs and things of that nature, volunteering in the hospitals, and that just made me excited. But like I said, there was a point in time between, you know, I took the MCAT <laughs> oh, that's a heavy lifting, y'all. I yeah. did that. And I interviewed and I applied and I received interest from schools, but it just something wasn't sitting right. Mm-hmm. Just something didn't feel right. And so I was praying. So, you know, faith is important. I've been praying. And... um I finally came upon communications because this woman named Judy Gatson, who's a broadcast journalist in Columbia, South Carolina. And I always admired her, not only because she's a wonderful journalist, but just her presence and her impact. And I said, why not communications? Right. I was doing communication ish things already in my community. right? I was moderating. I was doing all these outreach things. And I said, let me try this in my master's. Why not? And um, again, speaking to the village, how important they are. You know, the only people that knew that I was making that leap were my parents and my brothers. Mm. They said, go for it. We support you. What a blessing, right? Because people be like, wait, you try, you about to be a whole doctor mm-hmm. in medical school. He's like, you about to be mm-hmm. an MD. But mm-hmm. well, they said, no, follow your heart. You prayed about it. You have a peace. Go for it. And so, all that to say is, I tell people, <laughs> I told you earlier, uh, that on paper, it, it doesn't make sense my journey as it relates to my education and my career. But when I look back on it, I'm like, only you, God. Like, it had to be this way. Mm-hmm. I pursued writing. And I've been able to meet people across this world, interview senators, governors, and so many just people in our communities that have interesting, impactful stories. And I'm like, okay, there's the impact. Then I'm taking that work into the classroom. Yeah. Then I'm using that work in research so I can talk to my colleagues in academia, right? Mm-hmm. Touching so many lives and spaces. And again, speaking to what I'm passionate about, which is my people, <laughs> my community.
0: Okay. <laughs> we need, I just feel like we just need more people like you like we just need that community, you know, yeah. like we need to get together and just just Absolutely. come together, you know?
3: Absolutely. And there is a will and there's a desire. And y'all, you have created a space here with this podcast alone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, saying that there is space here for you. Your voice is important. Your voice, your voice matters. And uh, that right there is the catalyst for the change that we really need. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Do you guys have any questions at all?
1: Do you have questions? Yeah, I just had one. So I know when I interviewed you for my black mental health story, and I know when it was the very first time I met you, I don't know if you remember, it was with uh, Gary, and we were in the comm building, and we just were eating, and we were talking, and mm-hmm. you were just so full of life, and you were like, oh, I'm so excited to come to Michigan. And I'm like, who's excited to come to Michigan? <laughs> 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 my entire life, my I'm like, are you ready for the cold? You're from South Carolina. And she was like well what are you wearing the coat I'm like you're gonna need a big coat <laughs> all right? well, you be prepared. No. but I know in our conversations we've talked about how lonely it feels when you go into work every day and you're the one of you and it's all mm-hmm. you that's there so what advice would you give those students who are about to graduate now and they're entering the workplace and they know that it's just going to be them awesome what do you say to them?
3: Great question I, will, I have to sneak this in Jada was one of the first <laughs> MSC students that I met when I came for my job talk last February and I told everyone, I don't know if I told you this, but when I went home text friends, family and all the things I said what solidified why I wanted to be here was meeting those students, which included oh. Jada oh. It really did, um, but what I would say is, uh, yes you will find yourself being the only one, if not the only one, but If you are present in a space, if you occupy a space, know that you're meant to be there. So own it. Okay. Own your voice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that aligns with your purpose in being in that space. And you might not feel, you might feel intimidated, right? Especially you're saying new graduates and it's just a whole new world. A whole new environment is different from even though y'all have an award-winning newsroom. <laughs> but it, it is different when you're out there. I don't want to say the real world because this is the real world. Y'all are creating y'all are, this is the news here in this space. Um, but you just have to remember why you are there and uh, don't be ashamed to exercise your voice. And that's something I had to learn and grow into, That did not happen in my first iteration at NBC News. That did not happen when I was at AP. It happened the third time around when I finally said no. The stories that I want to tell matter and the people I want to impact matter. So let me make sure I'm vocal and use my punctuation, as my friend says. Be emphatic about what it is that I'm trying to do in my role as a journalist. So I say just exercise your voice. Be confident. And um, there are a coalition of people, whether you know it or not, who want to support you and have your back.
0: Yeah, I really agree. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to say right now, but I'm, like, super excited. I can't even really get it out.
2: So <laughs> I'm excited too, girl. <laughs> and I always want to give this credit to people who are very well-spoken. You're extremely well-spoken. And I just want to ask, has that always been something that's came natural to you or did it come over time? Oh,
3: well, you know, right when I was popped out I was born and d Now, Um I I I truly feel like that comes over time, right? There is a point in time where um you know, I'm active in the church. You know, they call on me. You know, you get called on once. You get called on twice and three times. Um, and I was always asked to, you know, speak out. But I found when I um, would volunteer often, I'm a mentor. I work with um, middle school and high school young ladies. And when I put myself in positions where I knew I had to be up front and I had to moderate and do those things, it started to become natural to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then also, you know, rela- realizing that words matter words hold power Mm -hmm. and so the more opportunities that i have like this you know, it didn't come easily right the more times that i had to just speak my truth and have these opportunities the more comfortable i felt and just being honest about my authentic experiences and i think when you're authentic and just speaking to your lived experiences and just wanting to help and share Mm -hmm. it just comes out easily and Mm -hmm. naturally so it does take time See. But and you all are well-spoken, and I should say that. Oh, really yeah.
0: <laughs> See, and that's why I wanted to write... I think I told you about this earlier. I wanted to write about the story about journalists, you know, like, dealing with social anxiety because yeah. I just feel like it's not really talked about enough. And I just... I don't know. Like, I just wanted to give us that spotlight because it's, for one, it's a very hard topic to talk about because not everybody is well-spoken. So I just want to, like share other people's stories on, like, how can you manage to do that, you know?
3: Absolutely. That is, Can y'all tell I'm a shy person?
2: Really? I'm <laughs>
0: just, just tell all. I am so <laughs> shy, y'all.
3: Um, but no, but that comes with I do credit this um, profession, right? Because I was forced to speak to the senator. Yeah. I was forced to speak to Governor so and so because I had to get answers, right? Yeah. And so when you put your when you are put in positions, of course, I would fumble, you know, like that, right? I couldn't get my words out at times, but you know what? It's about operating, exercising the authority that you have as a person, that owning that I am a journalist. And just because this person has 30 years of experience in this space and I just got here, it doesn't matter because I'm, I'm sharing the same space as you. Right. And so um, just, you know, having the opportunity to do more interviews and, you know, making them cold calls and things of that nature, exercising those skills mm-hmm. as a journalist kind of really helps kind of yeah. really strengthen that muscle.
0: Mm-hmm. You'll get better if you just keep practicing. Like, That's it. Practice well, it doesn't make you perfect because I just feel like nobody's perfect. But, you right. know, it just helped you, like you just said, like strengthen your skills and things like that. So.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And one of the main things you said that stood out to me was that it wasn't easy. And with that statement, what were some of your obstacles that you had to overcome as a black journalist, especially mm-hmm. as a black woman in the media and just in life in general?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm.
3: Let me sit in there for a second. Take your time. Which stories do we want to tell? You know, one, um, one I will share that, um, I'm, I'm proud of because I say, use your punctuations and exercise your voice. Mm-hmm. This was when I finally really exercised my voice. So I was telling a story, long story short, cause I'm a talker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was writing a story about HBCUs during the pandemic. And I, I mentioned I wanted to tell the story cause I noticed that um, in our paper, we were focusing on the predominantly white institutions and how they were dealing with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. But I said, wait a minute, now, these HBCUs are, are uniquely situated where we are dealing with the murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, among others, mm-hmm. at the same time that COVID was disproportionately impacting our community. Mm-hmm. So I said, we need to tell that story. There is a huge intersection there that is impacting our HBCUs, but we're not talking about them. And so long story short, I wrote the story, met with my editor, and one of the things my editor told me was... You need to cut the cultural stuff. Mm. See, and that's- oh, I see the face. Okay, <laughs> Right. And so I said, "What does that mean?" Couldn't be articulated. Mm. What that said to me was, "Cut out the heavy black stuff, and why HBCUs are the and that space is so important historically to our community," which I wasn't going to do. So I exercised my voice. Mm I talked about why incorporating those elements in my story was necessary to talk about how the implications of race and how that's disproportionately impacting HBCUs during COVID-19 and this onslaught of what has always been here in our country, which are the murders of black bodies by people in these um, positions of authority. Mm. Um, So all that to say is I tell that story because after I vocalized how I felt to my editor, we had a great conversation. Because sometimes it's not that people want to ignore it, it's that they just don't know.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. you just have
3: to educate them. You have to educate Mm -hmm. them. And so that turned into me creating my own beat called the Equity Beat, Mm -hmm. which I was telling you earlier the intersection of race, culture, and policy. It was my job not only to tell the stories of the black community, there are other marginalized groups because people are marginalizing them, Mm -hmm. right? There are other marginalized groups who are systemically silenced in our communities. So I made it my mission to tell their stories. So all that to say is yes. It was hard to have that conversation, but I needed to have that conversation. It turned into something good.
0: Yeah, it was obviously well needed. (laughs) Absolutely.
2: And I can only imagine how, at least at first, uncomfortable that might have been to ask, like, what do you mean to remove this part of me, really? Yeah. And I just want to ask, what tips and advice would you ask the journalists who's seeking these type of stories and they may seem uncomfortable when they walk into newsrooms and it's not a lot of people who look like them or... They want to be a part of culture and there's not really a culture that's talked about. What advice would you give?
3: Absolutely. I would just say, you know, we have to work. We have to fight and combat and try to dismantle the system. But we also have to be smart and learn how to work the system. Mm. Okay, And so I would say in a situation like that, when you have a story idea, you want to present a story, have all your ducks in a row. Right. Talk to me about who the voices are in the story. Why does this story matter? I don't like the idea of why is this newsworthy because what's newsworthy for him or her may not be Mm. newsworthy for me Mm. because they don't live that experience, Mm -hmm. right? So it's okay to break it down for them and go there. Mm. Talk about the cultural nuances and how impactful it is for this certain community. And once you help them try to understand, right, try to build that empathetic feeling towards it, then they will be more understanding of why it is that you're deciding to tell the story. Mm-hmm. I can't just say, I want to tell this story because they black. They my people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is part of the reason, it but is that really is different. not the core of the essence yeah. of it. I want them to know about these voices and how this policy continues to systemically oppress them mm-hmm. in ways that is not very Explicit, but it's implicitly there. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to break it down and illustrate it through my writing. Mm -hmm. So you just have to make sure you have it together. Handle your business, right? Mm -hmm. When you have the opportunity to tell these stories, you have to, we, unfortunately, some of our colleagues can come into these spaces and may not have it all together. Mm -hmm. But we do. Mm -hmm. Period. Right? Period. (laughs) And we know what that
1: means.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of which, has there ever been experiences to where you were... One of the few people of color, and there was a situation where you had to talk to someone, and you didn't know how to deliver that message, or you maybe had to. Some people call it code switching. Mm. What's been the best hey. way? You had to shout out to the story that Miss <laughs> Doctor Future Doctor Vastor. Oh, yes, approached. yes, <laughs> Doctor. Oh my God. What has been, if any, how have you handled those moments of having to code switch and talk in environments where you've had to adapt to a place where you maybe not been familiar with?
0: Mm. Mm. That's good. Go ahead, talk that talk, because I know.
3: I would say primarily when I was working in the state house, mm. working for AP as a political reporter, because I would have lawmakers who would have my big old news badge, AP on, completely disregard me. Had lawmakers check up on my credentials with my colleagues to say, "Is she legit?" Mm. Right. So I don't necessarily, I don't know if I necessarily would code switch because I try to be authentic in all my spaces, but um, especially when I would try to interview those individuals, I would present myself in the way, I would have to oftentimes present myself in a way to validate that I am supposed to be in this space. Mm-hmm. And uh, then kind of get them comfortable enough with me to then um, agree to the interview. Um, but I, I try not to diminish who I am. I would always speak in authority. Yes, I am Christina Myers Associated Press. Like, right, I wouldn't state who I am. Um, but I would re- I realized that oftentimes in their communications with me, there was some discomfort there. And most of the time, I know it was because of the color of my skin, uh-huh. because I was the only one covering them at that time. So um, I don't know if I necessarily answered that. such a great question, like moments where you co-switch. But again, I've always tried to present myself authentically, um, but there's times, even when I was physically in the newsroom, where I would remain silent mm. because there's certain battles I didn't want to fight. Yeah. fight. Yeah. You got no one to speak and no one to remain silent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I will say there were times where something was said that I wish I would have spoke up, right? Mm-hmm. I, You know, there was uh, one of the newsrooms that I worked in, uh, they spent like 10 minutes on YouTube laughing at the young man hide your kids hide your wife and then it turned into a situation where Uh we're looking at these caricatures of black people and how they've been turned into these social media memes and videos and things like that right (laughs) so the first time is haha but then when we start looking at the woman and then the young man and then Oh, we're just making fun and poking fun at yeah. these black people because their dialect and, and, and the instances and situation they were in. So, that was an instance where I wish I would have spoke up sooner because I'm like, this isn't appropriate in this professional space.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And you're making a mockery of my people.
2: Definitely. And in our closing moments, because I wish we could oh, talk no, for hours. No, not closing! We reach, I think we're reaching about 30 minutes. Oh, bless like, his we, name. We could talk for hours after this once so I stop the recorder, okay, yes, but. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to ask this last question in our closing moments. I think this would be great to close. What does being a genuine person and a genuine journalist mean to you with your work and just how you go about your everyday life? Because it's very evident that you have a big personality and you literally can light up a room just on your own. So what does it mean to you to be authentic when you hear that word?
3: Authentic. Mm. Mm. (laughs) I would
2: say leading
3: back into my faith any and everything I've done is not about me I know who I owe all glory to it was not by it has not been by my own power my intellect, my own strength anything so in terms of answering your question being authentically me is being humble enough to know that if it was not by his grace and his mercies I I could not do anything that I do and it's not about me literally at the end of the day i sincerely believe we all have a purpose in life and while we are here that we are to make an impact and for me that impact is in the classroom it's been through my research through my writing and at the end of the day just knowing that i cannot do what i do without the strength of again my village my family and my faith mm-hmm. so to walk in my authenticity is to acknowledge and to humble myself in this moment and to realize that i could not be here on my own
2: okay yes. what a powerful way to end it and just oh, and jada do you have anything else to say before we close um
0: i just want to say just stay tuned for my upcoming story um you know it's about journalists with social anxiety i just feel like Dr. Myers have made great points. (laughs) That's going to go towards my, like, you know, story. And, yeah, just stay tuned.
2: (laughs) And one more time before we do our outro, just thank you so much for being here, Dr. Myers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. you. We all really appreciate it, and it's such a cool experience to talk to you and interview you. And with that being said, guys, this has been All Shades of Chocolate, where we've brought
1: the sweetest, the hottest, black Black culture culture to MSU. And remember to stay sweet. Bye. Hey.